Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D, and I am hankering for some drinkering. Me too. I need some alcohol <laughs> so bad. We are recording this episode on Sunday, and I don't know if you are familiar with Indiana drinking laws. They, it's hard to get on Sunday. They made it. They finally, only just like three four years ago, actually legalized buying alcohol on Sundays. Before that, you just couldn't get alcohol in the state of Indiana. It was just, it was Ooh. ridiculous. Boo. Boo. Boo every single governor until they finally made it legal. Oh, my God. So today we're drinking uh, Warsteiner, actually. Warsteiner. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I mispronounced the, I got the German W. w. German W. Yeah, Warsteiner is one of my favorite German beers. We've had Warsteiner before, I think. Yeah, no, we've had our, I don't think we've had the German Pilsner before. Yeah. And it's a premium mm. beer for mm. those who are unaware. Cheers. 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 Cheers, everybody. Mm. Oh, that's good. That was good. Yeah, I like that. It was a, uh, it was a, it was an adventure. Time. We went into like three, <laughs> we went to three liquor stores and then ran an errand before we finally found one that was just open at noon. Yeah, we went to our usual, wasn't open yet, went to another one, which was closed down, went to another one, which wasn't open yet, went to buy a new cord for our setup, and then went back to the first one and waited in the parking lot till they opened. And went to Schnucks to get alcohol, and we were stopped by a rope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like I liked Mr. Let's just go to Walmart and buy beer. You don't you, you can buy beer at Walmart when you're doing shopping. You don't just go to Walmart to buy beer. I I like to point out like how trained are we that we are stopped by just a velvet rope. Like, like that's the well, I mean, keep the alcohol safe from the alcoholics. Let, let me ask you this: What do you think is going to happen if we weren't stopped by the velvet rope and we just grabbed the beer and tried to check out? No, yeah. someone's going to stop us there. The velvet rope's just a symbol that you're not going to get beer yet. It's just the sign. The sign is not what's physically stopping you. Like, we couldn't, like, when they made it legal to buy alcohol in the state of Indiana in 2018, they wouldn't even make it just, you can just buy it whenever. They're like, all right. You got to wait till noon. You're going to ease into this. And you can only buy, I think even, I think the law as it's written is you can only buy it from, like, noon to eight. Like, that's there's, like, a time, there's, like, a window. That's dumb. I really think there's a cutoff. Just let's buy alcohol. I know. I'm, I'm 100% for that. Just as a note, though, to all you fans, I right now, as we're speaking, have currently in the other room fermenting seven gallons of mead. And we couldn't drink that because it's not no, it's ready. No, it's, it's not, not ready yet. You sound it, like Bobo Baggins. It's not ready yet. Like, I've been it, trying to sip it with a straw. It takes more than two days for it to ferment. There's no alcohol in it yet. I've been, it's just yeast, honey, and water right now. It's been stopping me from trying. I've been, like, slowly taping crazy <laughs> straws together, making a contraption to finally get it. But here in a few months, though, we'll be drinking some homemade meat. That's true. Also, so you may hear us just keel over and die. If they... Oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> if it'll be fine. If it's, uh, if it's anything like some of your other cooking skills, I would be worried, too. 
I had the guy from Whiskey Conspiracy come by That's and true. help me do all the setup That's and true. stuff. He does this all the time. That makes me feel more reassured. <laughs> that if I, feel okay. I didn't know how to do it. We we spent one day with him educating me, and the second day, him pretty much walking me through the steps as we made it. He's like, I watched a video on YouTube. That's how I decided I was going to make <laughs> make some. Make some which I, be fun I think that's how he learned. That's true. And then he talked about how there are similar. There are so many similarities to apparently brewing uh, mead and having a fish tank. Like yeah, no, it a is. Fish tank. It is. There's a lot of similarities because, like, you have to clean the glass in a similar way. You have to use very. Because the thing is, if you use um, standard cleaners, it can hurt your fish and it can hurt your bacteria in your fish tank. But the same thing, you you have to uh, clean like the vats the same way because you don't want to kill the yeast when you put them in there. And there's a lot of other things like uh, much of alcohol is just facilitating the growth of yeast, which is similar to in a fish tank where you had to facilitate the growth of bacteria. I'm telling you right now, if we drink this mead and it's got a sardine taste, I'm gonna choose <laughs> violence. That is, no, okay, no, not, that's something that, <laughs> that that might be an experiment later on. A like probably not sardine, but maybe an anchovy flavored alcohol. I would drink that. I don't think anyone else would, but I drink it. <laughs> shove this corkscrew in your eyeball. <laughs> but I like anchovies; they're good. That does not belong in alcohol, and I feel like you would try that. I bet you Ricky Bruckman from um, Mount Vernon Paranormal would try it with me, though. I'm sure he would, and I, bet, and I hope that both of you yak whenever that happens. <laughs> Then. All right, so we have two actual episodes of comments that, that we got to go over uh, for today's episode. We're going to do a couple. Uh, in our last episode, we had uh, T. Harriman, the author T. Harriman on. She came in and we talked about the, some of her family's experience, paranormal experiences in Evansville. And we talked about how Evansville and New Orleans mm-hmm. are very similar. Um, so, uh, I am Sfeel said, just fascinating to watch, very insightful Thanks so much for the suggestion. Also, because I know that we have a lot of, because we have a lot of artists and we have a lot of, and we have some people that are very creative people that listen to our podcast. So it was really exciting to kind of get some of her input on some of her advice for young authors. Question real quick. Sure. Instead of saying, I am Sfeel, can we just start saying Ghost Feel? Ghost Feel. I like that. You are now our Pokemon. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Every time you comment, I may just say that. I'm going to comment from T. Harriman. T. Harriman said, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It was so much fun. And Recorder League was delish. Oh, it is very good. And thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast. It was fun. She was very fun, very awesome. So check out her stuff. All right. In the episode before that, we talked about the Golem of Prague. Oh, that was a fun episode. Which was a very fun episode. And we talked all about this golem that was supposedly crafted by this rabbi in Prague. And it went on a rampage. And it had to stop. And we talked all about golems and comparing it to AI and all sorts of stuff. So I highly and, recommend it. And Marcus got all salty when he started talking about the emperor being God's marshal. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. It was a thing in the medieval period. God had a marshal. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend you guys go check that out because it's a good episode. I was actually one of probably, actually it's probably one been one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far, actually, because we talked a lot about it. Um, Susan Eden said, we spend time entertaining fantasies as something other than us when in fact we are glimpsing reality in bits and pieces Ooh, i really like that comment fascinating i effectively correct too because yeah. like uh we don't really observe objective reality we just observe our perception of objective reality and we can only process so much information mm-hmm. all right recognized soup said I'd like to say something profound about golems, but all I can think to say is golems are cool. Great vid. (laughs) 
I also think they're cool. I will also say something uh, profound about golems. Uh, golems are badass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, an interesting one, and then we'll move on to today's episode. Pipecat said, "What would happen? Uh, but what? But what would happen to a lump of clay after hundreds of years? Might it just turn to dust? So maybe one of the reasons about why people can't find anymore is that it's decomposed. That would make sense. And if it still contained life, it could be like a ephemeral dust entity. Yeah. Well, not well. Well, also too, man. It may not even necessarily just be that profound, like." Man was made from Earth, supposedly. And then returns to Earth. Earth. Yeah, I mean, we decompose. It may just naturally just decompose like everybody else. Nope. Ephemeral dust elemental. No. That is what I'm going with. I'm, I'm going to go with a practical idea. Of nothing says that this thing is just going to, like, not age. So it may, just, <laughs> it may just return to the Earth at some point. Or maybe, like, what happened was it decomposed, and then people breathed in, and then made little tiny golems that now live inside their <gasps> body. Golem possession. <laughs> we, we've invented golem possession. Threw that idea out there. <laughs> all right man thank you guys so much for comment like we always said comment below we love to go over comments for the beginning of the episode uh but today we thought that we would cover an interesting topic too because i know that we've talked about and it's not like we ever started an episode with today we decided to cover something as boring and dry no, as possible no, we always <laughs> try to find something cool we decided to look at like Swamp magic. Like, Swamp magic. Like that, that was sort of the the theme that we went when we went our separate ways last week and in order to talk about uh, like to, like today's like today's topic, just so you know, it might get a little weird today because basically our guidance for our research for this week was us looking at each other, going swamp magic, swamp, swamp magic. magic, and then like just shades descended from the sky to cover our eyes while we nodded at each other. <laughs> and that's how I choose to remember it. Well, it's so it's you know we love talking about stuff and it's so it's so fun to watch other cultures and the way that they practice magic and how they use that to deal with the paranormal. What are you talking about other cultures? I grew up in a swamp. Well, I mean, any... Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Outside of the city of Edinburgh, okay, whatever. <laughs> sorry. But, like, just how... Because I, th- I think that's one of the fun things, that you see similar things in the paranormal all across the world, like, you know, werewolves, witches, yeah. Golems and things like that, and then certain, and then sometimes the way that cultures respond to those particular things, or somehow how that's intertwined, like with the magic practice, makes things start getting kind of cool and kind of interesting. Okay, so I got some stuff. If you want to start out with mine, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of Jenny Green Teeth? Jenny Green Teeth. Jenny Green Teeth. That was your ex girlfriend in high school, if I remember correctly. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. She's way too old for me <laughs> by a lot. But Jenny Greenteeth is a Liverpool legend of a swamp hag, initially starting kind of as a river hag sort of entity, but it evolved and moved around through with time. Generally described as a green, gaunt, emaciated, or although sometimes described as being bloated, a hag-like entity dwelling near the water's edge with long green hair, kind of mimicking the sort of plants that grow on the water's surface. Uh, with, like, rotted green teeth, often described with yellow eyes. And she lingers on the edge of water, waiting for either children or elderly people to come by. What is with culture's fear of old women? <laughs> like, just snatching kids. Oh, trust me, it is not going to be the only time that's going to come up today, because I researched hags mainly for today. Yeah. But then she would leap out of the water, grab them, and pull them in, and basically hold them underwater while they drowned, 
and then eat them, and some people say then makes things out of their corpses. But that's just what she does during the day. At night, she comes out from the water and begins to jump from tree to tree, observing potential prey she might be able to leap down from the trees on. Interestingly enough, though, this could be a mistranslation to um, an old world for owls being called a jenny, but I want to precipice that by saying you see this behavior in actual animals where they're an aquatic creature during the day, but at night willing to come out and go into trees. You see this especially commonly with amphibians mm-hmm. because at night their skin's less likely to dry out due to the heat. So although this could be a mistranslation, it also could be an a description of actual biological behaviors we can observe in other animals. Well, I think you see that a lot in in some of Hag Benthos, like to where there's there's there there might be some biological explanations to to the behaviors of certain things or the or reactions for certain things, and then people mm-hmm. just for some reason seem to just blame it on old independent women who live in the woods. Yeah, like <laughs> a society just for thousands of years like gone. Old, old woman who lives in the woods. Yeah, she has to be. Living out there without a man. Yeah, there's absolutely no way that's possible. She has to have sold her soul to the devil. <laughs> like, there's, there's just no way. Interestingly enough, I have not come up with a actual unified history for where Jenny came from. There's no solid is, myth is she, of where she of her actual origin. Now let me ask you a question. Is this is this because I've ran into this too when there's different cultures that are sort of talking about hags. Now, is this supposed to be an actual physical person or is this supposed to be a paranormal entity that just like a spirit type thing that lives in the river or what? As it comes down to is it like a physical thing? There is some argument on if this is a ephemeral, spe- uh, ephemeral spirit, if it's something that no one's ever actually seen, mm-hmm. or if it is a physical hack. Because there are descriptions of Ginny. But then there's other people, if you ask, they'll say, no, Ginny's a river spirit. She's only physical when she needs to be physical. Mm-hmm. And, but others describe her as like a almost animal-like creature. Whether or not she was ever human, though, I think is a matter of conjecture. There are some stories that... We'll say that she's like was a old princess or something, but mainly it seems like there's no consistent origin for Ginny. There are origins that were later attached to her, but not really associated with the original myth, or at least not that I could find. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of these stories are handed down orally, and yes, the stories of Ginny do persist to this day. Less living in swamps and moors and rivers but actually going into the city and living in sewers and supposedly becoming almost a Pennywise-like creature trying to lure children to the sewers. You know, and you said this was from Liverpool, like, mm-hmm. come on, like, England? Yes. Yeah, yeah, So I wish that I would have written this name down because when I was when I was looking up some of the stuff that I had surrounding hags, I had a similar thing with something in the Caribbean, and there was this similar hag creature that, that comes out at night. And at one point, she, like, tries to leap from the tree. Like, she's, like, leaping back to Africa was what she was. Yeah, was trying to leap from this tree that she was trying to do. And that was one of the, uh, that was one of the elements from her particular, particular story. And it was a similar thing. It was a similar, she was this hag creature that lived out in the woods and, and did this sort of thing. Well, the thing, when it comes to Jenny Greenteeth, she's not really that unique. You find almost identical legends throughout England, throughout Europe, even throughout other cultures not connected to Europe. Mm-hmm. This is just something that occurs in myth, and they there's very little deviation between many of them. Um, 
There were supposedly some photos of Ginny. I will say they're not really worth checking out. I didn't really find them very provocative. Um, apparently, she supposedly has yellow eye shine, though, because in one of the earlier stories, a child spots her eye shine out on the lake while he's fishing at night. Um, I also thought it was an interesting detail that she specifically targets children and the elderly. Do you have any thoughts on why? Well, I, I, I think it's part of that sort of like boogan story. Like a lot of these stories are told to kids. Like a lot of the stories that I heard from hags, they tell them to kids to get them to, you know, not go out. I mean, it's like, it's like when I did the video about Lolly Run. It's like, don't go out. Don't go near water. Make sure you mind your parents. Wash your hands. I mean, it, get, it got literally like that specific for where they, for like mm-hmm. for the way out to, uh, or or that they even go out to, uh, or that they go after very beautiful women or or handsome men. Like if you're trying to get too prideful, I think there might be some cautionary tales as to the as to where some of that folklore comes from. Like in a lot of instances mm-hmm. of like don't do something or do specifically do this. That that's true in many ways, but there was a detail that made me think it could perhaps be something different. The addition of small children, and the elderly. You do usually tell cautionary tales to children to keep them away from dangerous areas. But if you also think about it in a biological context, there are things that will target small children and elderly because they're less physically powerful. Ginny's behavior every across the board would describe an ambush predator. It is something that's trying to get a quick and easy kill from a stealth position. It might not go after adults, because perhaps it's not actually strong enough to have a definitive victory over one. But well, against a child or an elderly person, they could easily move them. Well, I, I, I still think you can tie that in with my point. Oh, no, it, of course. I wasn't saying tale. it's definitely not a cautionary right. tale. I'm just saying there's also this angle that right. does describe other, other things that could really exist. I'm not ready no, to no, discount no. Ginny as a myth. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not either. But I think, too, you know, when it comes to how cultures handle, you know, curtailing child behavior and with older people a lot of times when you're dealing with like memory loss or you're dealing with you know start losing functioning and you're having to start to convince you know take care of that person too you start folklore starts playing an element of cautionary tales about why you should not do certain things because true yeah you probably wouldn't want like as an older person you wouldn't want to or a child you wouldn't want them wandering out because a predator could get them too but oh yes you know, has that ever necessarily, you know, because wolves could get you. Might not necess- I don't know if that convinced. When I was a kid, if my mom said, you know, like, if you go out and, like, you, you'll you get snatched up by a stranger or maybe even, like, a bear, that might not necessarily convince me. But if she's like, there's this evil old woman <laughs> that'll snatch you up and bake you in a pie. <laughs> no, that- and she takes her skin off at night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm not going to go outside. And wait for friends come over. I can't go outside. Jenny Green Tea's going to get me. I'll tell you this. It would have <laughs> like, the opposite effect on me as a child. I'm like, I'm going to go find this thing. I'm going to go check this out. I, I can't go outside. Babe. Mom said Jenny Green Tea's going to get me. I can't do it. Let's just stay here and do it instead. My, my response is going to be, no, we got to get her first. <laughs> We're going on the attack. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Why? I have to ask this question, man. Like, so why has history so many times, when it comes to the hag, like this old woman, this old witch that lives in the woods, people really vilify old women <laughs> that live out of the woods. Well, the thing is, hag can themselves. actually be translated in multiple ways. One right. use of the word hag is a shriveled, ugly old woman. 
but it could also mean an independent woman. Right. And history has almost always vilified the independent woman, the woman right. who lives independent from a man, from society, from normal societal constraints, are pretty much always cast in a poor light. Well, and it's more likely to happen to just because of like just like with ancient like with ancient human like with ancient many women live longer than men. Men would be more likely to die in, you know, battle, war, what what you know, what have you. So women are living longer, so there's more probably older women that are widows that probably are out that are that are out there in, in the woods or living on their own. I can't remember the name of the philosopher. It was Anne something who um, she liked to refer to herself as a revolting hag. Revolting as in someone who is in revolt and hag is independent woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much of her philosophy was about reclaiming language. Revolting. I'm looking that up. I, I remember reading her book, and I remember enjoying her book. I don't remember the name of the book. It had, like, a hand with an axe on the cover. Hmm. Uh, do you find it? Alice Goodard was one. Oh, maybe it was Alice, not Anne. Looking that up. But either way. But, I, but humanity has really had issues with just... Independent women who live on but their own. Do you know what else is almost always applied to them? Power. Yeah. These these independent women living on their own. They're evil, but they're powerful. Look at look at Baba Yaga. Yeah, because there's like these these independent older women living on their own. What's the only way that they can do it? They've sold their soul to the devil. <laughs> like that's the only explanation possible. Like Baba Yaga, powerful, mm-hmm. independent, gives with one hand, takes with the other. Mm-hmm. Also, another example of the hag archetype. But this month is Monsters and Magic, right. so we need to go into some of the magic Jenny Greenteeth has. Oh, does she have magic powers? It took some digging, because most of the myths are about her grabbing people. So it took some digging for me to find out, is this a magical hag? And it turns out, yes, it is a magical hag. Um, not only can Ginny um, camouflage with her area, she can shapeshift into other animals to pursue and spy on targets. She can shapeshift into plants as well, like the um, the water, I think it's a form of wisteria. The water plants that grow on the yeah. surface are actually locally called Ginny green teeth. Because some, according to some stories, that's just her hair. And according to others, that's uh, something she shapeshifts into. But ultimately, it's known as an area to be avoided and definitely an area that may imply that she's nearby. She can also exist in multiple places at once. As in, she can split off almost like Naruto-style clones is what it seems like. There was a lot of detail. They, they didn't say she did hand signs and there would be a poof, but... <laughs> Change your teeth, clone jutsu! Yeah, pretty much, poof. pretty much. But she can she can be in multiple places at once to, you know, more effectively ambush prey or stalk them as they're trying to get away from her. I can't come outside of it. Baba Yaga gonna get me. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you can apply... Uh, the existing most multiple places at once, less so, but the shape-shifting and taking on different animal aspects, things like that are fairly universally appointed to these hags. Like, you can look at a Romanian right. story of a hag and find the same sort of elements. I've, if I remember right, even Baba Yaga is associated with um, being able to transform into certain animals, or you can go back to the spin-offs of Lilith who could t- change into owls. Also, Baba Yaga has that badass house with chicken legs, legs which is kind of... Back and yeah. walk, like, 
you, you'll tie you'll tie a band there and you're expecting to see some of these horrific things and you'll see just with houses with chicken feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like know. That. I think that's cool. Well, different things scare different kids, you know. But also at the same time, too, a lot of the stuff about hags really does sound like stuff that men would make up about their mother-in-laws. Potentially. <laughs> like, I mean, just true. Like, yeah, my mother-in-law, she does shape-shift into hell. Watch me out there. She snatches kids and drags them into the river. But you can take this myth and Americanize it with the Great Lakes hag. Mm -hmm. A hag that lives in the Great Lakes that has many of the same powers and capabilities as Jane Greenteeth and a very similar description, although sometimes described as being more bluish than green. Well, you see the same thing, I think, with some of the, the Puritan witch stories, too, that happened yeah. up in the, you know, in the Northeast. They say they shapeshifted into cats or birds and all this or beasts at night. And that goes all the way back to the Malice Malficarum. Yeah. Where people, well, I think shape-shifting into animals has always been sort of that staple sign of evil for a lot of cultures. And like, that's how uh, well, only, sorry, only sorry, evil woman. to sorry. the ethno-Europeans. Uh, right. Other cultures considered to be a sign of shamanism. Yeah. But, where was, oh, the Great Lakes hag. Um, she also has a magical power that I think might trump most of Ginny uh, Greenteeth's. The ability to summon storms and sink ships. And was used for a, as a cautionary tale to sailors, although some people did believe that as they were sailing across the Great Lakes, they could hear her singing, trying to lure them further out into the water or into dangerous areas. Ooh, like, well, that's, that's neat. Kind of like some of the siren mythos stories, yeah. too. I haven't found any modern accounts of the uh, Great Lakes hag. She doesn't even have a specific name, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. But... This definitely was believed at a certain point in time because you could find sailor accounts mentioning that they were worried about this or they had thought that they had seen her. Do you think that there's something to do with the water element or do you think it's just because humanity lives just so close to water? Well, Do you think that's a byproduct of that or do you think that there's something to that? <laughs> there's always been these myths of these water women, nereids, or what, what you may call them. They right. exist in most cultures. There's some sort of connection between women and the water and these elemental magical spirits. Um, they exist cross-culturally, and I think there might be something to it, or it might be a reference to a, some sort of monomythology that existed that we've somehow forgotten about. Mm -hmm. That only exists in these snidbits of stories. But there's something to this hag archetype, because it exists in too many places. <coughs> Sorry. You know, and I said, I don't know. I do you think that it's something to just do you think that it's like an anti women thing? Like, it's just something that like people are doing as a way of just like trying to like say that's the only reason why women can live on their own, or do you think that's a way to, to, to do that? Like, or do you like think I said, I'm not ready to discount the possibility of IRL hags out there? I'm not mm. ready for that point. I, I think that there's some potential to the legend, but if I was going to look at just from a societal basis. Because that's been a thing before where, like, any time that any sort of woman uses sort of, like, herbal remedies to cure certain yeah. things that it's seen as some form of witchcraft or and it, when really they're just using just herbal remedies. Yeah. But, like, what I might say is it could be a symbol of the, the path of the independent woman. It could be symbolic of you're probably going to be alone, out in the wilderness, living by yourself, lonely, despised. But at the same time, there's power in it. You can look at any of these hag stories, and not only does it represent these grotesque views, it also emphasizes power. That it is a powerful thing. They know things that regular people don't know. Mm -hmm. They found secret truths that lie out there. Did you, did you see a similar thing about them where they shed their skin? 
I have I I saw that popping up intermittently. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting thing that Hag's skin was always seen as a like a magical reagent. Like oh a yeah, magi- like a magical component. There was something to that. Yeah, I've seen that in grimoires before, where yeah. it, it will mention Hag's skin. Yeah, where they because that that's something that pops up in, in in a lot of the Hag stories throughout the Caribbean, throughout Africa. Where they'll do that, where they'll like little legitimately shed their skin, and it's used as sort of a, like a magical reagent and and like like black magic or evil magic. I think there's similar stories in the Appalachians as well, mm-hmm. but I didn't prep for Appalachia today. <laughs> I didn't either. I just thought that was just something that was just that that was something that was necessarily interesting. But I believe you prepped some interesting stuff too. I did. Let's get yeah. into some of that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll talk about some of that. Um, have you ever heard of the Sukiant? No. Or the Sukiant. Is... Sorry, depending upon how you're trying to pronounce it, probably say, should say it the one name. more time. Sukiant. I don't recognize the word. So it. it, it it loosely translates to man-eating sorcerer. <laughs> yeah. So throughout the throughout like West Africa and the Caribbean, uh, and even in like in like say like southern like southern United States as well, there's like this story of this hag, and it's called different names and different in different things. Sometimes it's called the Luguru, sometimes it's called the 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 old hag. The Sukian is a is a very popular one throughout Trinidad and Tobago, and that was one of the some that I found the most information about it. So it's this old woman, similar to like what you're talking about. That 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 lives out on her own. That waits for the sun to go down, and when the sun goes down, she gets naked and peels off her skin and puts it into. That's a, so she gets naked, then she gets super naked. Yeah, yeah. Then she gets super naked and puts it into the mortar. Now, when she takes her skin off, you know she turns into this like fireball esque elemental thing. What? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And she could fly around. There's like one video of it on YouTube where a person is trying to say they see one, but I swear, it's just a person moving light around. Uh. <laughs> like like I, I caught that. But people will talk about seeing these fireballs in the sky. Like we've talked about before, like the green fireballs yeah. that fall or meteors or things like that, or bald lightning, like that phenomenon as well. A lot of that's attributed to uh, to, to this hag, this, to, to the sucreant. And so she flies around and then she gets to your house. Now, if your house is not well kept, people, if there's any sort of keyhole opening, some sort of crack, she could sneak in. So you need like a modern lock. Yeah. So the other day, my wife was like, she's like, why are you corking everything around the house? <laughs> she thought I was keeping bugs out. I'm trying to keep fireball women hags out of the house. But anyway. You, you should explain. There's this naked woman made out of fire, fire. trying to get in the house. <laughs> yeah. I got to protect this home. <laughs> so so this, this fireball woman. Uh, hag gets into your house and now she's in your house and somehow you don't wake up even though it's like super bright how it's not hot i've got to guess yeah i mean magic yeah (laughs) and then she she goes to and then she goes and she finds you sleeping and then she sucks your blood either out of your side either your arm your side your legs somewhere oh so see there's a vampiric element here too oh yeah and they and she sucks your blood now if she drinks too much you're either going to die or you're going to become one Okay, very vampiric element. Oh yeah, and then she takes your blood and goes back out to um, silk cotton to silk cotton trees, where a particular demon or a devil, depending upon the culture that you're that that believes in it, and she trades your blood for powers from either the devil or this particular demon. That's very old school European, right there. Now the only way to kill her is you got to track down her lair or wherever she decides to hide her skin that she put in her mortar. You gotta and you gotta essentially turn her skin into jerky by dumping salt on it and curing it. 
And that's how you and that's how you end up killing. Okay, them. I, I want to pause you here for a sec. Sure. So you, we have like aspects of witches, aspects of shape shifting, vampires, so a little bit of Selkie mythos. I Stoney, are you familiar with Selkies? Mm-hmm. And then like a bunch of like old German myths and like the element of the devil. Are you familiar with the devil of the woods? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have that idea thrown in as well. This is a this is a slam dunk <laughs> of folklore. So it all mixes together. And where, where where is this legend from mainly? The, the Caribbean. So it's believed that how this this legend started was from Europeans bringing slaves from West Africa to the Caribbean, and then it sort of mixed this European vampire mythos with some of the, like the West African folklore beliefs into this sort of like new sort of folk folk myth. So like, because like one of the ways that you supposedly defend your home or your community is by like putting rice all around your home or at a crossroads, and then the the hag comes up to comes up to it and goes, "Oh my god, there's so many rice! I have to what? count all of them." I thought that was like a Chinese vampire myth. No, 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 no. no. Is it also? Are you yeah. sure it's not also a Chinese vampire myth? Uh, maybe. No, I'm, just, I'm pretty sure there's stuff where they have to count. But anyway, but she so the the Luru stops and 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 has to count. All of these grains of rice, and that's how that's one of the ways that you keep her out of your home. That's actually a really common trend, not only among like vampires, but like the whatever your culture's pivotal supernatural other is. Right. That if you scatter these things, they have to stop and count them for some reason. Mm-hmm. And wow, this is like really solid melting. But like, please continue. You have me hooked. Yeah. So it's. Uh, and, and people still believe it today. And it's used, I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, like a fable, like a story like trying to, like, scare kids away. Like, don't go out at night or it's going to get you. Or, you know, for one one particular part, certain parts of it, it's more like if you don't wash your hands. Like, she's looking for kids with dirty hands, and that's the one that she's attracted to. Or, you know, young young men, beautiful men or women or whatever. So I thought it was really interesting that, because that was a way that they explained. Like, you ever been like woke up and had like a mysterious bruise, like on your like on your arm? I usually or your don't, side? but um, Ellie gets them because yeah, she doesn't wife, get enough iron. My, my wife does too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's iron deficiency. So that was one of the ways that they explained that. Ah. As, as if they saw like this sort of like bruise on their side or their leg that they were bit by one that they were bit by one of these things. Fascinating. Yeah, and it was really, really cool that they got, like the the actual like. Uh, the so, the, but you said the belief still persisted. Oh yeah. Day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very popular Caribbean folklore story. Neat. Yeah, I mean, and it it can it can wild variety like, but that's the general type of story. And I I thought it was really cool because there's like the silk cotton tree element that that was something that I was looking up for it, which I thought was really really interesting because people would just casually say that uh, she would go to the silk cotton tree and trade uh, your blood for powers uh, with like the devil or a demon. The demon Basil is one that is, is you, the name is dropped a lot. And so I was like looking up like specifically like what they're talking about. So if you've never seen the silk cotton tree, like, like look it up. The tree looks scary, like scary as all hell. (laughs) I I was assuming it was like, a symbolic manifestation of trade, like the Silk Road. No, 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 no. That's silk cotton trees are a real thing. And oh no, no. I, I, I knew it was a tree, but I thought like perhaps that's where you go to trade because symbolically silk is a symbol of trade. Mm-mm. 
So it's very common for people to believe for spirits to be trapped in those particular trees. Like, depending upon the culture that you typically I'm going to look up silk cotton tree real quick. Yeah, look up, look up photos. So, like the Spanish. So one of the stories surrounding like Spanish cultures with it would be that when the, when the Spanish came to a particular area, they would use an African slave to dig to bury the treasure. Then they would kill the slave as a way to hide where they hid it. And supposedly the spirit of the slave would haunt the tree. Um, or in other cultures, it's just it's believed that, that it's a... Oh, that's a cool tree. Yeah, it's a, yeah I'm telling, it's a huge tree. And the roots are huge. Homeless people live in these things. That's how big they are. How? Yeah. The, these are pretty cool. Yeah. Or that it's a conduit to the underworld or things like that. I would believe that looking at one of those trees. Yeah. yeah. You know, or that there's a particular story in certain traditions that the devil was tricked by a carpenter to be into one of these trees. Like he tricks it, like he tricks him into staying in one of these trees. So that's particularly why it's believed that she was to want a silk cotton tree to trade your blood for her magic powers, which makes me think that. I don't think maybe turning into the fireball might not because maybe because the thing is, is nobody ever really clarifies what she's getting from trading. Like whether if it's the turning into the fireball and flying around aspect, or if it's longevity or if it's something else that she might do to you, nobody really ever clarifies what they're, what she's getting from it. If we go back to those central European myths of like the devil of the woods or like the devil that's mentioned in the Mali smile that you can make trades with, it's probably for all of their supernatural powers as well as longevity. Like that's usually, at least in those myths, what they're after. So it's the whole smorgasbord of supernatural abilities plus life. And then the devil will ask them for more and more as the deal goes on. Mm -hmm. Usually eventually working up to whole children and things like that. At least according to many central European books of folklore. Yeah, and, I, and I just thought that was like just super... I just thought that was like a super neat, like so, just interesting story. When it all comes down to it, this is a human who has gained supernatural powers to yes. become a monster. Yes. Neat. Yes. Through, through most particular stories, yes. It is believed this is a human person that had this happen to them. Huh. So do you feel that this is just straight folktale and culture myth, or do you think that there's a potential supernatural element to it? Uh, I think I think a little bit of both. There's because it, it's it's kind of like it, in some stories that I read, there's named Sukuyans, like people actually like society believing the that particular person is one of these things that just lives out in the woods. How how do people respond to it? Apparently something went wrong. Please try again. But uh, people tend to, I mean, it's either way. Either they, they blame them for particular bad things that happen. What are you doing with your phone over there? Put that on silent. It is on silent. You got tripped. My bad. Anyway, sorry. Um, it's like a lot of, like, just, I mean, some of the, like witches. Either they, they blame them when something bad happens. Some people go to them and trade, you know, they'll, they'll trade things for herbal remedies or for, you know, for favors or things like that, supposedly. Supposedly, some women either buy into this that they are one of these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or they're just blamed and they're killed. Well, and that, that, <laughs> that's more of what I was wondering. Does the Caribbean have the same response? 
as like say medieval Germany, where yeah. like yeah. they went freaking nuts. I didn't find I didn't find any news articles or anything where like a town turned on somebody. I didn't find anything like that. Okay, so a little more tolerated. Yeah, yeah, it's sorry. okay as long as at least at least in the modern tense. Like that was something that I was looking for was to see if maybe if their stories where somebody has been, you know, although was killed was be killed because of this. You know, there's an interesting detail hidden here though. Sure. Okay. So they get their powers from Baal, right? Basil. Basil, sorry, Basil. And they can turn people into a Sukiyun? Yeah, turn one into one of them. By feeding on them. Mm-hmm. So then that would imply the Sukiyun in itself without making a deal is something supernatural. Maybe that means you're mm-hmm. now a conduit for gaining such powers. Or maybe it is more like a vampire where it is its own supernatural creature, but then you have to barter for more powers. True. Or maybe there's more to there's more to the story. There's more to what they could get because they are because they are what they are. Or like in some Fae stories, a Fae may have certain powers for innately being it, but then they could make magical things to give them more powers. Dun dun dun. I mean, possibly. I mean, it, it's just an odd detail that I was thinking about as you were explaining this. All one. I'm saying is, if you find a strange house in the woods and there's an older lady living by herself. Be super nice. Oh, always be nice. Just be nice to <laughs> people. Nice. It's not that hard. Just be nice because you very easily could just could have magic powers and just come after you whenever the sun goes down. I visited some random person and I was nice. Do you know what it cost me? Literally nothing. Yeah. No one's coming to my house. No. <laughs> why is there why is there rice all around your house? It's a precautionary tale. That's that's safety rice. <laughs> safety rice. I love it. <laughs> you know, like Let's put it way out there to make sure that, you know, they don't just be sure. I don't know what you may take offense to. You never know. I, for a while, I lived next to a, uh, this was a time in my life where I was staying up pretty late, but I lived next to this older lady. She lived across from my apartment complex and around between like midnight and three in the morning, it was really common to see this old lady out in her yard, throwing something around the yard that I always thought kind of looked like rice and then raking it. I, I was never sure if this was a magical practice or perhaps she was mentally ill. She was always very nice. And I was always very nice back. <laughs> Cause, just because, you know, you know, you never know. You know, you know. But, but, like, first, she was a rather old lady to see up at 3 in the morning. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if <laughs> there might have been something more to this now. Because if I remember, there's, there is a practice of raking your yard as a magical practice. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a thing. Maybe this is a th- maybe she's trying to protect her house. From, I mean, you know, Sugi's coming in. There was also like wetlands behind her house, so maybe it was a little bit of that swamp magic. <laughs> <laughs> for why she, for why she was doing that. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that I took note of a long time ago, right. and I'm like, right. okay, there's there's nothing. There's nothing to do here. There's no way to get more information without me going up and talking to her. And I didn't really know her that well to walk up and be like, hey, you doing magic? (laughs) (laughs) How do you you open that conversation with somebody? Like, I'm just going to (laughs) see. I got to do that. Like, now every time I walk up to an old lady, just got some some rice in my pocket. And I'm just going to, like, just toss it down in front of him just to be sure. You just walk up and go, hey, hey, you magic. You magic. You you doing magic? You gotta count it. You gotta count this rice if you are. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is just gonna get us hit. And I think I think it would be at least extremely rude. We would be being (laughs) very rude. And I don't like being rude. I like being a nice guy. But then watch it actually work. You're like, oh my god. You know. But then turns out she's they've just got OCD and they just just have to count because of it. (laughs) And if they're just like, you doing magic? Yeah. Can can you teach me? 
Well, you ever stop to think about that? Well, what if maybe where that mythos comes from, where they have to count it, just comes from somebody who had OCD that counted it one day? It, it might have been. I, I'm not totally sure. And then just for the rest of time, people just attributed having to count the rice just because someone had, like, a medical condition. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, You know, I think it's interesting. I think that they're I, – I think looking at the hag, it is something that is something that expands upon across cultures. I think that it is a response to how humanity seems to handle old single women living by themselves for some reason, for some reason. Um, and I think it's really neat. I think it's an interesting example too, where a lot of different cultures um, have, have blended together to create some folklore myths. I think strange things happen in liminal spaces. And one of the most liminal spaces is a swamp. Is it land? Is it water? The truth is, kind of yes, kind of no, mainly a mix. Also, a big theme in these is secret knowledge, that these people living out there have secret knowledge. Ultimately, I think my final thought is, everyone be careful around swamps. There, Not only is it kind of dangerous on its own, you might run into weird stuff. If you're going to look for weird stuff, go to a swamp, well, but be careful. Just the last point on that. You have to have special knowledge to live out by yourself in a swamp because you, you have to know how to survive. But you might not know how to turn into a fireball. We don't know. No. <laughs> At least they're not sane. I, I, I grew up on the edge of a, a, one of the largest swamps in the northern United States, and I didn't learn how to turn into a fireball. I guess maybe someone did, but I didn't. I have lived in Evansville for the last 16 years, and only within the last six did I realize we have a swamp. Oh my god, you're such a nerd. <laughs> Sorry. So Go outside. <laughs> that's I can't. That's where the hags are. <laughs> Gotta spend all my time clogging up all the crevices so they don't get in. So what do you guys think? Is there a cool hag mythos from a culture that you found interesting? Is there something about um, you know, Jenny Green Teeth or the Sookie that we said that you wish that we had talked about? What are some of your guys' thoughts on this? Put those in the comments below. As always, if you guys like this, don't forget to like, um, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a review, leave us a review. That's one of the greatest ways that you can help us if you're listening on iTunes or anywhere you can leave a review. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. And, and we'll, I'm going to slide into my second Varsteiner. <laughs> and if you want the rest of this awesome podcast, all I got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast as well as bonus content that we put up exclusively for our patrons. And if you sign up for $2 more of a month, you actually get access to our poll where you can vote on the theme uh, for each month that we put out every month. Our, th- our February p- uh, poll up is right now, and I know what's leading right now is time and space anomalies. Ooh. But we have up the conspiracy iceberg, past life phenomenon, and the apocalypse. So... Go over there and uh, sign up and get your voices heard and kind of, you know, give your input on what on what kind of content that we do. One of the things, if we do Apocalypse, I want to talk about all the various heroes that are supposed to wake back up at the Apocalypse. <laughs> you know, may or may not be inconvenienced if they're all trying to, you know, if they're all try- are they all trying to stop it or will they help or hinder each other in the uh, process? The heroes are trying to help because <laughs> they're heroes, but there are monsters that are supposed to wake back up at that point too, so. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so for this part, I, I want to ask you kind of a question. What do you think drives a kind of person to sort of make that deal? 
Ooh, like the the deal with the devil to get yeah, power with the hag, like oh. some of these hags, some of these older women that live on their own. I think like what drives them to that? First, if they're making deals, I don't think they're actually making deals with the devil. Probably more like naturalistic spirits. But if they are making deals with the devil, I think there's one obvious answer. That these are individuals who are heavily marginalized and devalued. That these are people who haven't had a chance to feel strong, to feel that strength over others. And I think that that's why they do it. That they they need that strength for protection, first of all. But they also want it because they haven't had that opportunity to experience it yet.